Hello and welcome to the first quadcast of 2022. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome and not for nothing, but where have you been? Just kidding. You know, I launched this concept back in May of 2020 as a way to not only pass long COVID lockdown days and to tap back into my communications background, but ultimately to bring uplifting people and stories to the forefront. While this podcast is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, it is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. Think of the quadcast as your weekly 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for the soul. Let me first wish you and your families a happy and most importantly, healthy new year. The older I get, the more that sentiment rings true. And speaking of the older I get, Saturday, January 8, marked for me the first day of another 365-day journey around the sun, or as most people say, a birthday. And while my birth certificate says 54 years old, I must say I don't feel a day over 86. As you know, these last few years have been rough for the kid, and aging with spinal cord injuries is not easy, which I am clearly finding out. And speaking of finding out, I hope you enjoyed finding out more about Yannick Benjamin, my last guest on our quadcast that ended 2021. He is a sommelier, multiple marathon finisher, co-owner of a barrier-free handicap-accessible restaurant named Contento in Harlem, New York, and an all-around amazing advocate for the disabled community. If you missed our chat, please stop by my website, which is www.quadcast.org. There you will find all of my episodes cataloged, and you could binge them like your favorite Netflix series, in fact. And now let's get started with today's show. I first became aware of my featured guest back in late 2017. I had been watching American Idol on television for many years now. It had started as a way to bond with my niece and nephew and continued as they got older. By far my favorite part of the long-standing hit show is their backstory human interest pieces that they weave into the audition rounds. Real-life stories of uber-talented people coming from tiny towns all over America those who had been a part of their church choirs for many years, others who gig on street corners and some by themselves on tractors or for money in the subway, all of whom were chasing their dream. David Francisco was a contestant on season 16 of AI, and his audition is one that I and the country will never forget. It has been viewed over 42 million times to date, in fact. Many of the people that are featured come on with a friend, a family member, or significant other. Some bring a good luck charm, and most likely, some take an instrument. David had with him an acoustic guitar, his fiancée Christy, and something unique to him, crutches. As he would go on to tell the judges, Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryan, David was still working on regaining his ability to walk again the result of an accident in which he was hit by a distracted driver while riding his bicycle. His rendition of Isn't She Lovely, sung for and about Christy, brought Perry to tears and Richie over for a big hug and this amazing compliment. Lionel said, quote, You are an inspiration to us all, end quote. Indeed, he is, Lionel, 
and following this brief commercial break, we're all going to Hollywood with David Francisco on this week's Quadcast. And that, my friends, is next. Did you know that one in every 50 Americans is living with some form of paralysis? The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation wants to change that. They are dedicated to discovering cures for spinal cord injury by funding innovative research and improving the quality of life and health for all people living with paralysis. Make a difference, change a life, and redefine what it means to live with paralysis by joining the Reeve Foundation today. For more information, visit ChristopherReeve.org. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. And we are back. Remember, you can find the podcast on the following hosts. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And it is now my pleasure to introduce the aforementioned David Francisco. David, welcome and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I actually have my own little surprise for the listeners. My wife is going to join us as well. Hello, everyone. My name is Christy and I'm David's wife. Christy, thank you so much for coming on. You know, when I first reached out for, for David, he mentioned that you would be able to join us or he wasn't sure. And now that you're here, it's a special treat, not only for me, but for my listeners as well. Thank you. Awesome. So, you know, usually what I like to do with my shows is, you know, because these spinal cord injuries that we've had do not define who we were and who we are. And so what I like to do is sort of find out uh, a little bit about the person from the beginning. So, so David, why don't you tell us where did you grow up and where, what were some things you'd like to do in your childhood? Sure. I am from Knoxville, Tennessee, which is in East Tennessee. Uh, I used to play a lot of soccer. My my last name is actually Platillero, which is Spanish. Francisco is my middle name. So um, we we played a lot of soccer growing up. That was part of our culture. And um, I would mountain bike and wakeboard. It's a pretty active kid. Um, and then I also got into music in middle school, started doing piano lessons. And um, then I started picking up guitar on my own in high school. And that's when I really started falling in love with music. So I, w I did quite a bit. I did pretty good in school, but had a lot of hobbies and a lot of friends as well. Sounds like a typical boy growing up the, in, in back when we did, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So who was your favorite soccer player at the time? Ooh, probably Ronaldinho. Yeah, because Messi wasn't a thing yet. All right. <laughs> Lionel Messi is probably my favorite now, but yeah, Ronaldinho was the guy. Okay, okay. And you said that music sort of became uh, a big thing in your life. Who were some of your influences musically in the community and then maybe on radio and TV? Well, I had a, a friend in high school and we would we really started getting into music together and, and with the guitar, it was me and him and I would bring my guitar over and literally we were just, that was our sleepover. It was playing guitar until way too late at night and um, just having a blast. But we would listen to John Mayer a lot. He was, he was the guy back in, you know, 2006, 2007. Um, and we just got really, really into it and had such a blast. And that's where really music became the main focus even more so than soccer was probably late high school. Mm -hmm. Christy, how about yourself musically? Who were some of your influences? 
So that's an interesting question for me. I actually grew up more in the musical theater dance world. So I was part of um, a dance studio, a dance company, and I did theater in my community. I'm from Springfield, Illinois, so I'm a Midwest girl. Okay. Um, but I, I loved, uh, obviously, music as well. Um, fell in love with some some classics like Queen, but also loved, you know, all the growing up, the the, the Backstreet Boys and all that fun stuff as well. Um, but I got into um, Sarah Bareilles, and I still love her to this day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of came from a different music background in terms of musical theater. So I really grew up. I grew up on the in the in the stage, if you will. Okay, the, you were in yeah. the stage. Okay, very good. How about now, David? As you start to get a little bit older, I see that you uh, are a volunteer at the University of Tennessee. What were you starting to think that you were going to do with your life upon you know graduating? Yeah, so a lot of people don't know this, especially people I meet now, but I was actually studying electrical engineering in college, and I ended up graduating with it. I went all four years, uh, so I got kind of a techie mind, analytical, uh, problem-solving mind, um, and and I thought about going to school for music, but honestly, I was like, I think I want to keep the joy of music alive. I never took guitar lessons, and that's, I think, part of why I loved it so much. Uh, was I was just exploring whatever I was interested in. And so I kept it um, as a passion. But literally during school, I would go to engineering classes in the day. And then I was in the men's choir. And then I actually formed a band with some friends of mine from that. Uh, and, and we ended up playing shows at night and recording an album during college, as well as I had some other music projects during college that I had started working on. And so I kept both, I kept both things going, uh, music and engineering throughout college. All right. And then when did, uh, I see, uh, reading in your bio, uh, it seems that when you were on a trip in Spain, you had an epiphany and, and you decided mm. that maybe music was going to move ahead of the electrical engineering on, uh, the things to do for David Francisco. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I enjoyed college because of the friends and the music I was doing at night. And then after college, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have that social scene that I had and it's just going to be engineering. And I don't think that's going to be enough. And my biggest fear was, am I going to be able to actually make a career in music? Uh, because that seemed pretty far fetched, but I decided to go for it anyway. And at least you know, give it a chance while I was young. Yeah. And so, by yeah, the way, I, just in a uh, thumbnail uh, description, what is electrical engineering? What would you have been doing anyway? Huh. Well, it's, um, it's, it's more of them small electronics, uh, circuits, the, the stuff that makes your phone work, even got into some computer programming. Uh, so, cause those two worlds are kind of uh, combining at this point mm -hmm. is, you 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 use hardware and software together to make technology um, work, and it was interesting, big picture. But I didn't like the the minutia of the details. Yeah, I can imagine. So, Christy, is David the one when your phone is acting up and uh, little gadgets around the house when they're not oh working? God. Is he the one that you seek out immediately? 
You called it. Absolutely. I am the opposite of what he is. I say that I have a black thumb in technology and everything <laughs> I touch either doesn't work or break. So breaks. So David is, uh, yes, he's very handy to have around in terms of all the tech stuff. Yeah. She gets my hand-me-downs actually. With oh yeah. The, with the phones. Cause she doesn't really care. I don't need the high tech stuff. So anytime he wants a new computer or a new phone, I just get his hand-me-downs and I'm, I'm happy as long as it turns on and I use it for the basic needs. I'm good. That's all you need just to make a phone call, right? I've heard some people say, I don't need a smartphone. I need a dumb phone. You know, I don't need all the gadgets. (laughs) Just something that, uh, that will make a phone call. Yes, I love that. Oh, that's funny. Well, why don't we talk about now, since we're laughing and whatnot, why don't you guys tell us, where did you meet? What were the circumstances about how uh, your worlds came together? So remember that band I was in in college? I do. One of, one of the guys, he was the bass player and cello player and one of the most talented musicians I know, uh, was in a, was one summer in a performing arts group. That I was also in. So I became friends with him. His name was Gideon Klein. He's an amazing um, musician. And so I went to Tennessee for a wedding and I went a day early to visit Gideon because he was one of my other friends out there. And he was playing in a show that night. So I went to the show and David was also playing in the show. Ah. So that's where we met for the first time. And I, I was actually dating someone else at the time, but, um, it was on the brink of destruction. So we were about to break up. So (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't on the market or anything, but, um, David just really impacted my life in a positive way. He was a nice person. I remember that he was friends with everyone. I kind of hung out with the band since I was, you know, with Gideon, um, that night. And, uh, he just knew everyone everywhere we went and he was so funny, but so, um, kind. And I was just really impressed with who he was. And then I, I finished my trip and I went back to California and then I started listening to his music and I fell in love with his lyrics and the, the quality of his voice and just everything. And eventually me and the other guy broke up and I, I was in a, a little season of heartbreak and I really, I really leaned on David's music and as a performer myself and as a dancer. And so, um, that was my first introduction to him. And that's what I thought would be the end. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. And David, were yeah. you still in Tennessee at the time? Yeah. So I was, uh, I had never even moved out of Knoxville. I lived there my whole life until I was 24. And so I ended up, um, you know, being there when I met her. And then actually the month, the next month I was moving to Nashville to go to an audio engineering school. So yeah, we met in Tennessee. Unbelievable. And did you sort of feel the same way? Was it a spark when, uh, when you met Christy that weekend and, and you, did you keep in touch when she was in Cali? So yes and no, I I kind of found out, or I don't know if I looked it up or what, but I I found out that she was dating someone technically. That's all I knew. Um, And then that she lived in California. So I wasn't like, I was immediately just like, oh, well, she lives out there. So I'm not going to try to make a move or anything. But I thought she was really awesome. And really different than, uh, you know, the people that I knew. Uh, like That's something you want to hear. She's really, <laughs> she's really different. different than the just, peeps uh, you were hanging like, out with. Yeah, bohemian and, and not like a southern, you know, southern belle. All right. Well, so, they say yeah, opposites was, attract, right? She made an, uh, she made an uh, impression. An impression. Absolutely. Well, how about now, David, why don't we talk about uh, the day that sort of changed the trajectory of your life? 
Um, the day when a distracted driver hit you while you were on your bicycle. What do you remember about the day before the accident, during the accident, yeah. and then in the immediate aftermath? So, yeah, I had actually just moved to Nashville, like I said, right after I met Christy for an audio engineering school. And I was biking home from class one day when I, the light turned green, I started going across and the car came out of nowhere and T-boned me. I couldn't see it because I was beside an SUV and the SUV slammed on their brakes. Um, but I kept going cause I couldn't see around them. And that's when I got T-boned. Honestly, I don't remember anything from the day. Um, I, all I know is I was living, living my best life, uh, really feeling independent and he had played soccer the day before which is now kind of special to think back on yeah yeah i because i i love playing soccer still i would i'd play intramural and uh tried to play as much as i could so and he, he doesn't remember much from the day but his friends and family that were kind of involved you know they remember um bits and pieces and then obviously once we got in touch with some of the witnesses uh we learned more and so he was you know th- thrown pretty far um far away from the car and the the driver was beside herself you know crying and screaming and a lot of people stopped and and tried to help and uh, Ironically, a a Jimmy John's driver was driving by and saw the commotion and stopped. And she was actually going to be a uh, start med school in the fall. So she had some experience um, with that area. And she kind of took over and basically saved David's life. She made a tourniquet out of someone's belt. She had someone hold his head um, and she really knew what she was doing. So we were very thankful for her. And um and then at the hospital, I remember, you know, your best friend and your parents, they just, they just didn't know the extent of the damage. And his friend, I think, was really worried that, you know, what if he has you know, brain damage? And so finally, as he's being wheeled into surgery, he like looks over at his friend and he like says something funny and like fist bumps his friend. Uh-huh. And um, they were like, OK, he's still David. He's, he's just back. a little, you know, beat up. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, but, but David, David doesn't even remember, but he was apparently like singing um, and like, you know, making little jokes here and there. So he had he had good spirits, even amidst all the the scariness and whatnot. And I, I obviously, you know, wasn't I wasn't in the community, but Gideon reached out to me and and called me. And I was even de- devastated having only met this person one time. I was like, out of all the people to hit, you know, why this person? Oh, so well, awesome. You had made yeah. such an impression, David. Unbelievable. But mm, yeah, it sounds like the circumstances and that that the woman, the driver of the van, you know, people like that, when when worlds collide like that, to have folks that know what they're doing and, and that are there at that very minute, you know, I don't know whether, you know, that woman saved your life, but she certainly did a lot of good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she did because I was bleeding out pretty bad. Yeah. My arm. He had, his uh, main artery was severed. So the doctor said he probably would have bled out if it wasn't for that tourniquet. Unbelievable. And another crazy story was the helmet. You want to say? Oh, yeah. So I actually wasn't wearing my helmet three days before the crash. Um, I had forgotten it in my hometown, Knoxville. And so I go back to Knoxville I thinking I should really get the helmet. I need to be wearing it on these roads. Forgot it. I go back again the second week and I uh, am driving out of the neighborhood and the thought just pops in my head, wait, go get the helmet. And so I turn around, I get the helmet and that three days later was when the crash happened. So thank goodness you were wearing the helmet. You know, it's crazy. I go 
um, with the, the local rehab hospital that I work at here in New Jersey. We go out into the community. We go to schools for something called Think First. And we talk to, um, you know, grade schools and high schools about certain things. You know, yeah, you can break your arm and you put a cast on your arm and it'll get better. You break your leg, you put a cast on it. But there's two things that if you, if you uh, you know, bust them up is your brain and your spinal cord that will never be the same. And so we impress on yeah. on the young people to always wear their helmets when they're riding bikes and to, to when they dive into a pool to put your hands out in front of you. And I'm so glad to hear that you were wearing the helmet. It sounds like if you were not, you probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. That's correct. Absolutely. Oh my sure. goodness. So now, David, once you are aware and you're in the hospital and, um, you know, you kind of know what has happened, what were you told initially by the doctors? And then after that, where did you do your rehab? Yeah. So, uh, the doctors saw my x-ray, uh, and, and said, well, there's not really much of a point in doing surgery tonight we have we have someone who could do surgery but they're not quite as good and this looks pretty complete is what they call it complete spinal cord injury yeah um and so they said we'll wait for the the fresh doctors in the morning to do a surgery and they did and after the surgery they said okay it's it's incomplete but best case he'll be you know get some movement back maybe he could walk with metal bracing around his legs but um it's it's not looking good. So that was the prognosis that was given. And, you know, I I understood and I heard it. Um, but one of the things with a spinal cord injury, as I'm sure you know, is that it's it's uh, unpredictable and each one is completely different. So I took it one day at a time and we moved to uh, the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia, okay. just, I guess, three, four hours away from Nashville. And that's where I spent the next eight months going to therapy every day. They specialize in spinal cord injuries and brain injuries. And so every, it was a really good place to be because everyone on my floor had a spinal cord injury. And so I, I didn't feel alone. It was a lot of young people with spinal cord injuries and we were all navigating it together. Yeah. And strength uh, in numbers, right? Yeah. And the, the support of the, the therapists and nurses was also amazing. They were so um, good. I mean, what a what a fulfilling job I think that would be hard but fulfilling just in terms of they really had a positive impact on my life in those first few months absolutely and so I just I just started going to therapy and and obviously I was in a lot of back pain for the first months honestly my back still gets sore now but for the first couple of years it it was pretty hard to um, sit up for more than five ten minutes um and I didn't have any recovery for the first month in my legs or anything, but one night I was on the phone and I'm talking to a friend and I'm like, wait, I think I see my foot moving. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm doing that. And, and so I literally, it was such a small movement that I called a nurse in to say, Hey, is, is, am I moving my foot like right now? And right now, and she's like, Oh yeah, a little bit. And so, <laughs> That was the first first little glimmer of hope that I saw, and um, we called my family and we all celebrated. Yeah. Even though obviously that doesn't mean you're going to walk by any means, um, and they made sure I was aware of that too. Simple um, pleasures, right? But yeah, yeah, the small the small victories. That was one of them for sure. Yeah, I can remember when my friends would come to visit me. Uh, this is when I was still in the uh, in the hospital. 
Um, it started for me like you, it started at the bottom. So it started in my toes. I started to get some movement back. And so when, uh, we would do high fives with my toes at the bottom of the bed, they would come in and I would uh, give them a high five with my toes when they were starting to, uh, to move around a little bit. So I know when I was first, um, you know, in the hospital, I would not have been able to get to where I was not only physically, but mentally were it not for, you know, an amazing family and, and great friends. Did you have that same support, uh, of family and friends that, uh, that were there for you at, uh, at this rough time? Oh Yeah. I mean, I had over a hundred visitors just at Vanderbilt while in the first week and so many people that, that came, uh, and just kept encouraging me, uh, my family, my parents actually literally never went home for the first two months. They, they drove with just their clothing. And then my sister brought them some of their clothes from home, uh, and stuff that they needed from their house. Cause they literally were, were with me for the first two months. Mm. And uh, that support uh, was huge. I, I, I really don't know if I would have had the energy or the stamina to let alone mentally overcome it. But even just to all the things that I'm sure they dealt with, the paperwork, the legal stuff, I don't know half of what happened with that. And if I had had to deal with that on my own. Uh, yeah. It would have been very, very difficult. So yeah. I, I am incredibly thankful. It's so true I, that the yeah. patient, you know, you and I are the ones that are in the in the rehab, we're in the we're in the standing bars, and we're trying to get our life together. But there's so much more that our family and friends. I mean, I can to this day when I walk through the unit, I still see some of the families who are, you know, their loved ones are just you know a week or two into this, and they all have that same look on their face, like, "Hey, can somebody please get the license plate on the truck that just." destroyed our lives. You know, they're, they're trying to process so many things. And, uh, so to have that support behind you and behind us is, uh, is just, we're so thankful for that. And, and, uh, you know, you said you had a hundred friends and, and stuff come to see you was one of them, Miss Christie. When did you make your way to, uh, to Shepherd? So at that point, you know, we were still acquaintances and, um, we had just, you know, met at that show a few months ago and I had actually wanted to write him a letter about his music and how much it had impacted me. And I knew he was going to move to Nashville and try to make it in the industry. And then he got hit by the car and I was just so devastated. And also I kind of thought, man, now it's too late to send a letter. You know, it's not the right time, but I kept, you know, having dreams and feeling compelled to write this letter. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I wrote him a letter um, just to kind of encourage him in the time that he was in. And so that that kind of reconnected us in a way. Um, and he received the letter and was really touched by it. So then I just was a fly on the wall. I kept in touch or kept, I, I didn't really keep in touch, but I, I could view things on Facebook and social media and, you know, through his parents. Um, but a few months later, he was invited out to California for a award ceremony um, in the music industry. And he was going to come out with his parents in a wheelchair. And I was basically like the one person he knew out here. And so that that was a pivotal moment. He, he messaged me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I messaged, I slid into the DMs and I said, Hey, I'm coming out to California. Are you around? Smooth. 
Yeah, not that smooth. It worked. (laughs) Yeah, it it worked. And she ended up coming up to Culver City and getting coffee Coffee. with me. And And we just caught up like fast friends. I mean, there was a moment of, you know, what is it going to be like? I I remember this person I met pre-crash and just the light that he exuded. And I was a little nervous. I didn't know how his attitude or personality would have changed. And I remember walking up to the hotel where him and his parents were staying and he came out in his wheelchair, just smiling and handsome as ever. And, um, I could just tell that, wow, this guy is incredible. Like he's not confined by the wheelchair. He's, his spirit is still just as big as it was before. So we caught up like fast friends and we were both in this, um, kind of a vulnerable state. I was single and like kind of ready to take on the world by myself. And he was in intense therapy and focusing on this new life that he had to, to roll through, if you will. And so we, we weren't either of us really looking to connect, but the universe were have it. They, we were supposed to connect. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. To hear you say about how, um, you know, he still had that personality and that smile. And, you know, even though he was in a wheelchair was, um, you know, I talked to some people and I actually had a friend that was with me in, uh, in therapy and he was married at the time and he was a quad and his, he was married, I think for about two years and his wife just couldn't do it. It was, it was not something that she was, uh, you know, gonna, gonna do. And, and unfortunately they got divorced and I know, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a tough life and it's not for everybody. And for you to just accept him, uh, David like that is, um, it's an amazing thing because I know for some people they would have, you know, turned around and, and walked away. Unfortunately, that happens for, for folks that, uh, that have had some disabilities and to hear you say that is a terrific thing. And so, um, mm. it's glad that it, it was, that was sort of like the, um, the first time that you guys were sort of out together and then it sort of, did it spiral from there? Yeah. So, um, ironically, David was invited out to another event in California and he had been to maybe California once in his life. So all of a sudden he was invited out to California twice. (laughs) So I, I was, I was now the California friend. So, um, I, I joined him and his dad at a music festival and that was probably the, the super pivotal weekend. You know, for me, my eyes were open to the world of the handicapped and at a music festival, it was just a huge obstacle course. And so I helped push David around in his wheelchair and, um, my eyes were really open to that world. And we just really connected him, his dad and I would actually hold him to stand because, you know, music festivals, everyone's standing and sure. um, we wanted to be a part of it. And so we would hold hold him up and he was super weak at the time. If we weren't holding him, he would have collapsed. But his dad was being wingman and he would, you know, kind of say, oh, I'm going to go get a snack or I'm going to go to the bathroom and <laughs> leave me holding David by myself, oh, which, at, you know, as the day went on, we didn't mind as much. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, we really connected and after that trip, we were like, what's happening, you know, and we yeah. decided to stay in touch because he was going back to Atlanta slash Tennessee. And I was going back to Cal. I was staying in California mm-hmm. and uh, we we intentionally talked every day and FaceTimed. And and then a month later, I went out to visit him because I was like, what's going on here? You yeah. know, we're talking every day. Yeah. And uh, that's when I I I landed and he ended up uh, singing me a song that he had written about me. Mm-hmm. And that's when we kind of both knew we're like, we're, we're, this is, this is real. This is serious. The stars and uh, are aligning, yes. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Terrific. Yeah. So now at this point, David, you're you've got this budding relationship and your life has changed. And, you know, what is the plan moving forward? Is it still full steam ahead in the music industry? Oh, now or at that point? At that point. Yeah. I mean, you're you're just you, you and Christy are now sort of a thing and um, you're still rehabbing or just finishing up your rehabbing. And then uh, I guess the plan is to, to head back to Nashville. Yeah. So I basically after eight months of therapy and and I should brag on the school in Nashville, uh, the Blackbird Academy, they offered me a full ride to come back. And they said, we'll build ramps. We'll do whatever we need because studios are actually not very accessible. They're small little spaces, some, sometimes with a lot of stairs. And uh, they said, we'll build ramps and do whatever we need to get you back. So I ended up going back um, on crutches, forearm crutches, about eight months later. Still super weak, but I could at least walk a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, went back to the school. Christy and I were officially long distance dating and, um, th that, that six months went by pretty quick. A lot of cool things happened, uh, including a show I did in my hometown for, uh, about 600, 700 people at the Bijou theater. Um, and we showed a documentary we made of my journey up to that point. And, uh, a month after that, I actually proposed to Christy and we, uh, we were engaged and then I moved to California. In that order. <laughs> In all that order, right? And where did yeah, you... Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Where did you people. get engaged? Yeah, so that was June 2017. July. July July 2nd, 2017. There it is. And then um, I moved out to California. We prepared for the wedding and... Got married. Got married in February. Of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was all really quick. I mean, I, I really reconnected with her in September of 2016 and by... By the next summer, we were married and then engaged. Engaged, and then <laughs> by the yeah, the following. But you year. know, I tell people our connect, our our relationship was very different because it was expedited because of the injury. You know, it wasn't like we could just sit there and talk about a lot of surfacey things. You know, we were talking about deep things. I was like, hey, how do you do this, and what do you need help with? And you know, if we went on a date together, it was an a experience because we had to navigate the wheelchair together, or, you know, if he had a walker forearm crutches, we had to make sure we could do things that were accessible to him or sure. adapting, you know, yeah. like everything was a little bit more intense in a way. And so we really, we really connected because we had to do some real life stuff together real fast. <laughs> yeah. Let alone, you know, I don't know your situation, but probably, you know, bladder and bowel and all that kind of situation. Right. I, I mean, I could, oh, it's, I it's joke, still a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I joke with my friends. I, I think I know where every men's room in the tri-state area is up here. And, <laughs> and we're yeah. 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 Because, yeah. you know, I, I have, a, a limited amount of time where if, if something's going to happen, I had better get to where I need to be or it's, it's on. And so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, well, you guys really did bond over, over heavy stuff early on in your relationship, huh? Yes, oh, yeah. we did. At uh, one of our first conversations, I said, Hey, how, so how do you go to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. But that's, I mean, now that we're married, obviously, like that's, that's so important, you know, and people, um, you know, we laugh about it and, you know, people get a little embarrassed, but like, that's real for some, uh, you know, people with spinal cord injuries. David didn't realize like losing all that would happen. And so that's something that, yeah. um, you know, can be hard to navigate alone. And 
Oh, uh, it's yeah, terrible. It's, it really I've, is. I, I, I tell, and, and I'm sure David, you know, in some ways you probably feel the same way when I speak to my buddies, I say, you know, I could deal with, with the, you know, the paralysis part and the fact that, you know, as I was telling you beforehand, I have very little use of my arms, hands and fingers and all the inconveniences, the walking is really hard. And I've started to use a rollator the last year or so. Uh, I could take all of that. I could take it all. But if, if I could just have, you know, the bowel and bladder back and not have to worry about any of that stuff, that would be fine. I would, I would take all yeah. the other stuff. It's just that uh, the, the B and B as they like to call it, it's the, the gift that keeps <laughs> on giving from these spinal cord injuries, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've learned how to manage it pretty well, but it's, it is uh, unfortunate. Yeah. You know, it's always thinking about it. Yeah. 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 You always are a little bit worried. Exactly. Exactly. And so, well, let's start talking about some, some better things other than, than bowel and bladder situations. Talk to <laughs> me about American Idol. Were you always a fan of the show? And when did the idea of auditioning come up? Who, whose idea was it? Was it yours or was it Christy? Well, it's actually funny because we, I had watched the show growing up, but I, I honestly didn't even really keep in touch with it for the last eight or 10 years. And, uh, and so then I get an email and I wasn't sure if it was real, but it was like an American Idol producer asking if I wanted to audition for, um, you know, for the producers. And then if, if they selected me for the actual judges, um, and I almost didn't do it. I was like, Oh, I don't know. Why are we doing this? Mm. Literally as we were driving up, cause yeah, it's, it's a pretty far drive. And then we had to fly out later that day, I think. But, um, I drove up to Burbank, I think for the audition and, um, ended up auditioning for them. And I remember they wrote in all caps story on the, on the yellow slip. They're like, we'd love for you to meet Katy Perry and all of them and, and do that. And so they ended up, you know, sending me through. And, uh, I was so glad I did because it, it has opened up so many doors and it was a great experience for me. So, and they shared his story really well and they were really yeah, kind to him. And he, he made a lot of friends that are yeah, friends. A lot of my time. friends out here now are, um, friends I made from American Idol. It's amazing. When I told, you know, my friends and family that I was going to have a chance to speak with you, um, you know, I, I mentioned that you were on the show and they all said, oh, my God, I remember him. I remember my nephew was telling me he's a senior in high school. And he said, oh, oh my gosh. God, I totally remember that. And then, you know, he sent me the, the clip on YouTube and um, it, it's neat. My niece and nephew have been with me for all these years. You know, my niece is a, is a freshman in college this year and my nephew mm -hmm. is a senior in high school. And so they kind of know the whole disabled route and they've, they've been around their uncle John for all these years. And so they were, you know, when that, mm. when that show came on and when you were on, my phone was blowing up. And, and so, yeah, they, they were just really proud that to, to see someone, you know, kind of like us, that's, that's out there, that's, that's changing, uh, you know, the perception and, and it was, it was an amazing thing at the time. And so I, I remember watching and uh, that day, tell me, was it, did you know you were going to go in and see um, Katy Perry and Lionel and, and Luke, or did, did that all happen in a couple of different times? Yeah, we knew, we knew that, uh, the day we went for the judges audition, but man, honestly, that is so cool to hear 
that that like people were texting you that's the stuff i haven't heard you know that, oh yeah i mean i got a lot of messages directly but um it's really cool to think about other people um that related and the the disability community being represented that's yeah without that's question awesome. and i have to tell you that's my favorite part of american idol is during the audition things not so much you know the the people that can't sing and that just want to be out there to get their 15 minutes worth of fame you know it's yeah. it's the backstories it's the people that are you know sitting on a tractor and they're singing to the cows that are just these amazingly talented people uh, or or you know folks that are singing in the subways to to nobody for for change and you know it's the dream that it gives them uh you know that opportunity to 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 change their life and so uh, when, when your story came up and, you know, of course, Christy's there and, and there was not a dry eye in the room. It was something that, uh, <laughs> it really, it, it changed a, a lot of people's, you know, person, their, their idea of what it was like. And, uh, to, to, to know that all that you had been through to get to that point, uh, and then when you pick up the guitar and start to sing, it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, it's not like this is some, you know, sympathy story. This guy's got the goods too. He can really sing. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Right? Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that from other folks down in the past. Me? <laughs> yeah, Christy. <laughs> I I love his music and his voice. <laughs> um, sure you do. And so you, you, you've you kept in touch with, uh, with some people from the show. I mean, I'm trying to remember um, who ultimately was the winner of that season that you were on. Maddie Poppy won that season. Oh, right. Yeah. I didn't actually meet her, but she seems awesome. Uh huh. And how far did you get on that? Was it to uh, Hollywood, Hollywood Week or something? Yep. Hollywood. And got sent home. It was honestly, it, it was what it needed to be. Well, you know, it was funny. That was like right before we got married. That Hollywood week was close to a month before. So I was kind of getting worried, like, if he continues... What's going to happen about our wedding, you know? Right. So um, we were still obviously in bliss, you know, season because it was our wedding season and just so excited that he had a good experience. So it ended up working out. No doubt. And how about yeah. the uh, the judges? How other than that, uh, the audition, did you have any more, um, you know, get togethers with them? Did you did you get a chance to speak with them anymore after that audition? Honestly, no. I, I, if I'd gone further, I would have, but I was first week of Hollywood or first round of Hollywood was when I went home. So that was pretty much it. But it was, um, like I said, it was enough. It was, it was a perfect experience, a lot of great, um, exposure and a lot of opportunities that have come from it. And, uh, I never really felt like I was a person. That's why I was like, I don't know why I'm going to this. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a fine singer, but like, I'm not, an amazing singer. And mm -hmm. so like, <laughs> why am I going to this? But no, it was, it was great. And, and like I said, a lot of great things have come from it. Terrific. How about, tell us about some of the recording artists that you've had the opportunity to share the stage with over the years. Uh, and did anyone in particular make you feel like, wow, I'm pinching myself here. I can't believe I'm sharing the stage with so-and-so. Well, you know, what's funny is I had actually met Katy Perry once before, uh, the American Idol experience, I went to represent Music Cares, which is a nonprofit in the music industry, at her album release, which was a three-day YouTube live stream. So I get I go over to um 
this house where they're filming, they're basically just live streaming for three days. Katie's live. She's having all these guests. And so I get to the bus where we're waiting and, and Casey Musgraves is in there with me. And we ended up practicing and playing one of Casey's songs with Katy Perry. And it was just the most surreal experience. And this was right before Casey, Casey Musgraves did Golden Hour, which is just an amazing record. And so that was that was definitely the most surreal experience. But also, uh, I've met Lenny Kravitz. Um, I got to sing a song with Martina McBride at, at her show in my hometown. And uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who's a, a Christian artist who... Um, basically came and spoke at my high school and then we we got to play one of my favorite songs from childhood together yeah. <laughs> so yeah there's been some really really cool experiences and Chris Blue, the, the winner of the voice is also from knoxville and now a friend of david's and they got to do um david got to open for him and that was really sweet. yeah that was a great show yeah unbelievable and how about now i'd be remiss if i didn't ask how is it and how fulfilling is it for you to no, I don't know if you share the stage with Christy, but have the opportunity for you two to, to sing together, you know, with each other and for each other. How does that go? Oh, it's so, so amazing. Actually, one of my favorite things I do now, and this is an opportunity that came up from American Idol, uh, a company reached out to have me as a speaker slash performer um, at high schools. And so one of the things I do now is go across the country speaking at high schools about distracted driving, but really the presentation is my story, uh, as well as I, I play songs throughout it from my, my album Lionheart. Uh, and I basically share the story of, of you can choose how you respond to whatever happens to you and you can make choices that determine who you become. And so that's, that's one of my favorite things. Cause yes, it, it gets kids to own up to their, um, decisions behind the wheel, but also just in life. And I get the most amazing messages and Christy gets to do it with me. She sings harmony and shares some of her story, just like she is today. And, um, it's such a blast. Yeah. So COVID, COVID canceled that, but yeah. hopefully it'll come back this spring or this fall. Yeah. It's slowly starting to come back. So that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now what, um, let's say COVID is not here. Let's say it's, we're, we're a year and, and you know, we're going to get beyond that. Hopefully we're all going to get beyond it. What is, uh, what is a day in the life like for you, uh, musically yeah. and otherwise, and what is the next big project that you have your eyes on? Yeah. Well, um, honestly, COVID has been really fun because I've been able to invest full time into my studio. I actually built one in the backyard. It's a 14 by 20, uh, tiny home basically. And I've got jet. It's like a playground. We're actually in here now and it's so fun. I've got a piano and a drum set and it's big desk. And I, I'm, I've basically leaned full time into the producing world during COVID. And I've had the opportunity to work with some, some great humans. Uh, some of my best friends out here, uh, that are just phenomenal artists. Uh, and I do a series called shed sessions where I invite artists to come and cover a song uh, but, but I've had such a blast doing that. So that's been a real big part, but Christy and I have also been writing songs under uh, lion and bird. So as, as you might've found through research, the lion has kind of become my, my emblem, yes. my theme, uh, the, the book I wrote is called lion heart, which you guys should all go read it or listen to it on a audio book. Cause it's on, it's on audible. Speaking of which, uh, where can, where can we find it? Put it out oh, there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's on uh, it's on my website, davidfranciscomusic.com. Francisco spelled like San Francisco. Um, and, and you can also get it on Amazon or Audible, the, uh, the audio book. And the album's on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those platforms. Yeah, awesome. yeah so there's the shameless plug. Yeah, <laughs> put it all out there. You might as well. That's great. Yeah. Now, one thing, David, I always do, this, it's usually the last question that I have for, uh, for my guests who have had uh, an injury is, uh, and it's a funny story because I was waiting in uh, the hallway at my uh, doctor's office with, this is, this is strange, a buddy of mine who was a year ahead of me in high school. We were two really tight friends in high school and I had my injury in, in, um, August of 1992. And then my buddy unfortunately wound up having a bad spinal cord injury just about seven or eight years ago. So the two of us are waiting in the hallway to see our doctors and, you know, it was full of people. They're all waiting to go in. And I didn't realize, I guess I had my voice was, was, pretty high when I was talking to him. And I said, Hey, Tom, you know, if I could snap my fingers right now and you would be completely able-bodied again, what's the first thing you would do? And he paused for a little bit. And then I heard from behind me, I would go out and garden in my backyard that I heard somebody say, I would go into my, my garage and fix my motorcycle. And it was like, all these people were chiming in. It was just supposed to be me asking my buddy Mm -hmm. that. So I thought, Hey, you know, when I put this podcast together, I'm going to put that question out there. And so I, I usually do. So David Francisco, how about for yourself? If, if you would be completely able-bodied again, what is the first thing that you would do? Literally right now, I would slap some running shoes on and I would run through my whole neighborhood. I would probably run at least eight miles. Uh-huh. I used to love, that was my exercise. I would go running. Uh, I also love biking. Maybe I would go bike and, uh, or I would play soccer. Oh, right? <laughs> it hurts. I know it hurts. Oh, the pain. That's the first thing I would do too, is I would get, I always tell people I would get my shoes on and, uh, and I would get out there and, and just to feel the, the sweat drip down your face, right? That salty sweat drip down into your mouth and you're out there on the road again. It's, um, hopefully at some point, one of these days. Yeah, maybe, maybe in, uh, in heaven or That's something. That's right. Absolutely. And so listen, this has been terrific and, and I hate to put you guys on the spot, but, uh, it sounds like you said you're out in your studio shed and, and if you could, and if you would, uh, and you'd like to, uh, to play us out with a song or, uh, uh, whatever you'd like to do, it would be, it would be my pleasure to hear it. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to beg, right? <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is, yeah, like we said, I wrote a book called Lionheart. It's my whole story. And each chapter is a song from the album Lionheart. And this is the title track, also titled Lionheart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a tattoo on my arm. It was one of the first things I thought waking up from surgery was, I think I'm going to get a tattoo of a lion on my forearm, which was super random because I had no tattoos. <laughs> um, but then I, I sat on the idea and it just stuck with me. And I realized like, you know what? The, the scar on my arm, it's, it's actually facing the scar on my arm, but the scar is my reminder of what happened to me. And then the line is my reminder of the response that you, that you have that, again, ultimately determines your, uh, your life's path and your outcome. So, yeah, this is Lionheart. Hey, have the heart of a lion. There's a spirit inside of my 
me alive. I have a fighting desire. When the darkness is closing in, I'll be the light. Somehow when everything's wrong, no, I'll be alright. Just when my faith is gone, hope will arise. Somehow when I can move on, I find the strength to survive. Cause I have a lion heart. Here we go. I may seem weak to the world. I may never be fast or strong as I want to be. I've got thank you. I've got a statement for you. You're going to Hollywood. Hey! Oh, yay! <laughs> uh, does that bring uh, you back? You. You're both going to Hollywood. Wow. That's awesome. Thank uh, you so much. Listen, David Francisco and Christy Francisco, thank you so much for, for carving out some time of your busy schedule uh, to sit down with me. And, and I also want to thank you for, again, being a role model for those of us that don't necessarily appear on American Idol and on, you know, the TV and, and in movies. And um, it, it, it certainly stuck out in my world and it registered, as I said, my phone was ringing off the wall. And, um, and I appreciate that. And I want you to know that that meant a lot to me and a lot of folks out there like us. That is one of the most encouraging things I've heard in a long time. Good. Thank you. Appreciate You're welcome. That. Best of luck with everything in the future. And I will definitely look for you again. Why don't you, if you want to rifle off your, your social media uh, profiles and whatnot for, uh, for the listeners and also where they can yeah. find your stuff again. 
Of course. Uh, it's David Francisco Music on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm even on TikTok, <laughs> begrudgingly. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you so much, John. This has been a pleasure. Christy, thanks again for joining us. It was so fun. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Now, honestly, how can you beat that? Ending the show with some terrific live music? Unbelievable. Thank you again, David, for coming on the show today, but most of all, for going for your dream in spite of your SCI, and as a result, inspiring people from coast to coast. And a special tip of the cap to Christy for appearing and making the show that much better. Best of luck to you both in the future, and keep me posted on any big plans you have moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, I will be doing just that on January 30, heading out to Long Island, New York for team training at Canine Companions for Independence's Northeast facility. You know, I sent an initial email to CCI inquiring about a service dog in the summer of 2016, and my time has finally arrived. From January 31 until February 11, I will be listening, learning, and ultimately bonding with a dog that will not only help with some chores that I have trouble with, but also becoming a new friend for life. CCI has three types of dogs. They have golden retrievers, labs, and golden and lab mixes. As I mentioned, graduation day is February 11. Fingers crossed I will be returning home with a new four-legged friend. I am trying to put together a podcast while I'm out there, so stay tuned. Stay tuned also for upcoming shows with terrific guests, such as Chad Hymas, whom the Wall Street Journal calls one of the 10 most inspirational people in the world. Despite becoming a quad, the result of an accident on his tractor in Utah, he is one of the youngest ever to receive the Council of Peers Award for Excellence and to be inducted into the prestigious National Speaker Hall of Fame. I have clearly outkicked my coverage by booking Chad. He is amazing. And I am in conversations with Billy Price, co-founder of Billy Footwear, to appear on the Quadcast as well. Following a three-story fall in October 1996, Billy was paralyzed from the chest down. Throughout his years, he has learned tricks for getting dressed more easily, but one piece of clothing that eluded him was shoes. He could never find a pair that he felt were both attractive and that he could put on independently. And so Billy Footwear was born. As you can see, we are picking up steam, booking not only inspirational, but interesting guests as well. The only thing we are lacking is more listeners. And that is where you come in. Please tell anyone and everyone about us. 2022 is hopefully a big season for the quadcast. Thanks, as always, to my mix master and right-hand man, Chris Perepesco, at Harbor Picture Company in New York City. All the best, Chris. Happy and healthy New Year to you and yours, my friend. Until we meet again, I am John McAleeby, and I thank you for your time. I don't care.